Hello, and welcome to part two of our discussion about the Republic of Ireland and Giovanni Trapattoni. We had gotten beaten in the qualifiers for the World Cup in South Africa. The loss in Crow Park against France in the playoffs was the first competitive loss under the Italian, and the result in Paris had engendered a lot of sympathy, not just from football fans, but from around the world. And it helped bring some of the floating clans back to the national side as well. So we were looking at making a push for uh, Euro 2012, and you know the, the group on paper didn't seem too tough. Uh, we had Russia, who were obviously, you know, would have been favourites and uh, a very tough side and a very hard to play, place to go and get a result um, in Moscow. Ourselves, Armenia, Slovakia, Macedonia, and then Minos and Dora. Looking at the, the group after the draw was made, you know, I think second spot was not out of the question. No, it was very doable. And... Trapattoni had, had really turned the team around in the sense that we had become super competitive again in only one campaign, really. And I think going into that group, there was even a there was even talk of of topping it. Because really it was Russia were the only team that were better than us in that group. And the opinion was Slovakia were as good, maybe with a couple of better players, but practically on the same level as us. Um so I think there was great hope we were gonna qualify anyway. Back. Hello. Hello. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry. Just uh, I went on mute there. And, yeah. Sorry. So come back up. So right. I'm just going to make a note that you know, you know, delete all that. Um. So Mark, did did you think the same? Did you think that that was a very winnable group? <coughs> yeah, I concur with Phil there. Um. <coughs> yeah, I concur with Phil totally on that. Russia just very much, you know. You don't know what to get see with them anyway. Um, they can either you know perform very well, be in unison with the coach or not. So um, again, uh, I think there was good confidence going into that campaign that we would do pretty well and even top it. I mean, Slovakia probably fifty fifty with those games being pretty decisive. And as you said yourself, we had the likes of Andorra, Armenia, which should be you know winnable games. So it was literally pretty much all to play for there. With Again, I wouldn't have ruled out top in the group. You know, it was a kind draw for Ireland. Yeah, and uh, the first friendly that we had in, in 2010 was uh, against Brazil. And uh, rumours persisted that, you know, maybe we were gifted that friendly as a as a, a sop for the the, the results uh, and uh, the results in, in, in Paris. Um, perhaps not really notable for anything other than it meant that... Uh, James McCarthy um, was confirmed as a senior Irish international. I think at the time there was a lot of talk that possibly he was going to, uh, you know, declare for Scotland. Personally, I don't think that was ever going to happen. But at least it meant that you know his his very late appearance in in that game, you know, put paid to any of the any of the of the, the chatter. Um, so you know, the following May, then we had two home friendlies against. Uh, Paraguay and Algeria. Algeria will go on to face England uh, in the in the World Cup. You know, we beat them three um, nil, and you know I, I thought we played well across the two games. You know some you know we saw uh, Paul Green make his debut uh, against Paraguay and actually went on to to score against Algeria. Um, Killian Sheridan was was given a run out. Um, but realistically, these were these were games that I don't think anyone cared about. Like the the real the the World Cup was coming, and we weren't going to be part of it. And you know, you can argue whether or not the the handball cheated us out of the 
the result. Um, but it cheated us out of it, it took away the, the the chance that we had to, to go there. Um, so the qualifiers for uh, 2012 in, in Poland and Ukraine uh, started with uh, an away game in Armenia. And Armenia would go on to be probably one of the surprise packages of the group. Um, we had assumed that they would be uh, a weakened team, but they pushed us hard all the way. And it was a, a late goal from Keith Vahey, um before we actually we won. And it was Fahey's goal with, um, led to the win. Um, and then uh, that was followed up by uh, a home game against Andorra, who we would expect be expected to win. Um, and Julie beat them 3 1. Uh, and, you know, so two opening games. Uh, one, you know, we would have been expected to win both of them. One turned out to be harder than we thought, but we'd gotten six points from the opening games. Um, you know, Mark, this is, a, this is as good as uh, qualifying groups start with. Oh, completely, Joe. Um, I do recall that Armenia game. Jesus was a bit of a slog, wasn't it, from start mm-hmm. to finish? And I think the media reaction of an awful lot of the mass media, I would even include probably Dunphy, no surprise there. I think they slated the performance, didn't they? Didn't think much of it. The conservatism was there first and foremost on most people's minds. But as you say yourself, Joe, the results, particularly in Yerevan for the other kind of group participants in our group, really did kind of tell this tape later on. But it was great, wasn't it? Two from two, you know, set ourselves very well up for the home game against Russia as well. Yeah, and... Felt it was the the Russia game, you know. It was felt that you know this is the first game where we get to see. Or this is this was obviously the first real challenge of the the qualifiers, and Russia played us off the park in the opening hour. There's no other way to put it. Uh, their midfield three uh, went up against our midfield two. Uh, they found space at will, and I think the the real the real result of that. Was that that game? Was that we were only tuning down at half time? Um, you know they had uh, uh, our and his absolute pomp, um, and we were playing Glenn Whelan and Paul Green against him. We did come back late on to get two late goals to make it three two, and I think that kind of added to the, or maybe that, to or sorry, maybe took away from the, the the negativity, but it was a bad defeat. Um, and you know, again, it was three goals conceded again against a, a good side. Um, again, the lack of creativity might have been uh, a factor, but we had won our open in two games and lost this. But the performances you could see were starting to slide a little bit. Did you did it look at that stage that you know teams were maybe figuring this out? Yeah, I think it was more that that the lower ranked teams slightly below us were actually coming up to our level. Um, and I really think the Armenia game um, was an important one because it was kind of the first time that while being organized, we were kind of played off the pitch, like played off the pitch. I can't remember what player it said. I think it was an inter- interview. Maybe it was Duff. He was going on about, you know, fans expect us to go away and beat a team like Armenia. But they had players like, I think it was Mkhitaryan, and they, they were so technically better than Ireland. And while Ireland did well in the last qualifying, I think it was with a core group of players, and we didn't really see many players coming through. And we didn't see many players improving, or even getting the chance to improve, especially in the midfield. 
So I think that was telling. And the Russia game kind of compounded that because we were, as you said, we were battered altogether. And maybe the whole way up to the end of this campaign with the, the win against Estonia, the results, I wouldn't say flattered us, but they kind of blinded us to actually how limited this team were while being organized. And we found out about that at the, at the Euros. Yeah. Uh, in retrospect, that win against uh, Armenia, that win in Yerevan, turned out to be you know, vitally important because we were the Huge. only team yeah. to Huge. get a win there. Um, so we have the opening three games out of the way. We have two wins and a loss. And you know, there's a chance for the team to make amends uh, away to Slovakia, another team that we thought were going to be you know, battling it out for that, you know, first or you know, now with the loss to Russia, more than likely second spot. So we go 1-0 up um, from a chance at ledger goal, um, but unfortunately you can see it again before half time. And again, it's starting to creep in, you know, the, the lesser ranked sides that hadn't given us uh, any trouble in the previous qualifiers, maybe they were starting to get to nick results against us. Um, and I think that was that was starting to play on people's minds. So, 2011 started with uh, a friendly, another friendly loss to to Norway. You know, we had gone one 0 up early with a, a, a penalty from Shen Long and conceded uh, again before half time, and then again just before full time. And you know, the, this was three games in a row without a win. Um, Suddenly, you know, the the doubts are starting to creep in. Can we guess, you know, can we get, can we qualify? Can we finish second in this group? Um, but before that happened, um, we had the the European uh, League of Nations Cup. So ourselves, Wales, Scotland and Northern Ireland in a quadrangular tournament held across the year. And, you know, it opened uh, for Ireland with a 3-0 win against Wales to get things back on track, you know, not just from uh, not just in the in the tournament, um, but also uh, from, you know, it was the first win in uh, in four games. On the face of it, you know, it didn't really mean too much, but it was a win. It got that out. It got the, the losing or the non winning streak out of our systems um, before we faced uh, Macedonia in the in the qualifiers again. So, Mark, I mean, what do you remember of the, the the European League of Nations tournament? Uh, I remember there was an awful lot of disinterest from a few of the teams, not yeah. naming names, Northern Ireland, for instance. Wasn't there a wedding going on on the 24th of May 2011, or quite a few of the Northern Ireland squad had pulled out due to various reasons? Um, they kind of cited maybe kind of club, you know, end of season kind of club commitments, but they were certainly not interested in it. Wales were, I think Phil, you alluded to there last week in our podcast in the Sea Slotton era. They weren't really at the races at that time, you know, post, you know, pre-Garrett Bale and that crop of players coming through. And then really, yeah, it was effectively a cup final in the Aviva against Scotland. And I know myself and you, Joe, were at it. I think, Phil, mm-hmm. were you at that, at that game as well? I, I was at the three of them, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it did. It was a great atmosphere. I thought that Scottish game particularly kind of showed the essence of what the competition could have been for teams if they actually took it seriously enough. And it was a proper cup tie, I thought, from start to finish. And you know, it's not every day that we see Republic of Ireland picking up a trophy at the end of ninety minutes, but that's what we've seen in that game. You know, Robbie again, just instrumental 
you know, quality finish again and, you know, 17,000 that was there. I mean, there was a big travelling con- Scottish contingent. Tartan Army were well represented and, you know, plenty of tasty challenges going in. But at least it was kind of creating the confidence. It was creating momentum. And, you know, we hadn't conceded in those three games as well, mm-hmm. scoring nine goals. Now, granted, you know, eight of the goals, you know, five goals against Northern Ireland, we could have scored seven or eight, mind you. But the Scottish win really did buoy the confidence up particularly in the supporters that were in the ground on the day and also the players and the staff. So, you know, it was something to look forward to going into the rest of the qualification. Yeah, you know, managers uh, like um, Pep Guardiola and, and and Jose Mourinho have talked about winning, you know, the first trophy. About And a lot of times it turns out to be the League Cup, which, you know, has been, I think, a, a little unfairly derided in recent years. But it gives players a boost. You know, if we've won this, we can go on to win we can go on to win the FA Cup, we can go on to win the league, we can go on to win the Champions League. You know, you know, don't underestimate the, the power of a of a of a trophy. Um so with the with the Nations League secured eventually against uh against Scotland, um, you know, we were we were back to facing um Macedonia uh in a in March uh back to back games in March and June, you know, we won the home game 2-1 and we won the away game, which came not long after the, the victory against Scotland 2-0. So, like you said, Mark, these, these games had given us a, a boost. You know, we were, we were, we had, uh, had maybe faltered a little in the two games against Russia and Slovakia, but we were two games back to back against, you know, uh, against a weaker side in the group. Um, and it meant that we were back on track for qualification, or at least for the second spot. I mean, did you think that this was going to happen? Thought the, the group was very much wide open, uh, Joe. Um, so I thought confidence is high from my perspective, even thinking back then, you know, even the Nations Cup, it was kind of buoyed by that as well. So, And I think the groundswell of opinion within the support as well was that, yeah, uh, qualification. And even the hurt at Paris, you know, that there was a motivation within the players and the management to kind of, get to a major tournament here. Um, so, yeah, confidence was high from my perspective. Yeah. So, Phil, the two games, the two qualifiers in September were uh, home to Slovakia, to one of our group rivals, and then a really tricky away tie to Russia. Um, now, the home game against Slovakia wasn't great. It finished nil-nil, and we were kind of thinking, like, are we going to get something in Russia? And we were we had to get something in Russia after that, really, if you wanted to finish second. Um, and really, the result in Russia, nil-nil, was down to, to to one player, and that was down to Richard Dunn. You know, I think uh, songs would be sung about his performance in that game for many years. Um, how did we not lose the game in Russia? Just one of the greatest Irish performances ever. I remember, I've never... I've never celebrated as much at not conceding a goal on I don't know how many occasions. Um, it was just incredible. Um, definitely one of the best best performances I've ever seen. Even when he he slid down the line, bust his head. You know, it was just it was just. I think that drove the team on as well. I think there was great heart in the team. There was great belief, and I think coming into the Slovakia game, I think the group was fairly straightforward in a sense that. We only really, to get second place, we only really had to not lose to Slovakia and kind of hope Russia take any sort of points off them. 
and with the draw against Slovakia going to Russia, I think there was there was great belief there, and especially with how we had played at home to Russia, getting absolutely wiped. Um, I'm sure the players wanted to put in a much better performance, and they did. Yeah, and uh, you know, after the performance in Russia, I meant that with two easier games, shall we say, uh, to finish the 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 group, uh, we were uh, away to Andorra before facing Armenia at home. Uh, I was at the game in in, in Andorra. Um, we were played in, I think, if if it was played here, the the facilities would be described as a sports ground. Um, but, you know, it's the kind of game where you go, you do your job, you win and you leave and no one really cares. Uh, I do remember Stephen Hunt coming to the to the fans uh, at the end of the game and throwing his jersey into the crowd. So that was nice. Um, and in the final qualifier, uh, we faced Armenia again. You know, we had faced them in the opening, uh, the opening group game and we faced them again in the last group game. You know, we were, it was nil at half time, but I think we, we didn't look um, like we were, out of it at any time, uh, and oh, sorry, it was actually it was one nil at halftime. That I thought the goal had come after halftime. The goal was just before halftime. It was one nil. We were looking good. Richard Dunn scored in the second half, and Mkhitaryan uh, got pulled one back for Armenia. So Mark, you know, we were uh, into the playoffs for the second qualifiers running, and I, you know, I think again we would have to judge the the qualifying tournament itself uh, a success. You know, we had uh, we won six of the ten games and only lost once, and that was against the the strongest team in the group uh, in Russia. We had produced um, probably one of the best performances, um, certainly from an individual point of view, away to Russia. Um, and uh, as I said, that that opening win against Ar- Armenia turned out to be uh, absolutely priceless because we were the only team to win in Yerevan, um, and. You know those three points meant that we uh, we went to fin- we finished second. Absolutely, no, it's huge. I mean, even down the stretch, uh, Joe. You know those last six games played in 2011. Uh, you know, kept kept four clean sheets. Uh, only conceded one goal to North Macedonia and also to Armenia um, at home. Um, so I mean, it was a great campaign. I thought you know that campaign could have easily unravelled after the the Russian home loss. But in fairness to the players and management. As I kind of said before, um, I think it was the groundswell. It was the motivation, the hunger to get to a major tournament after what happened with the Terry Henry handball. I think there was a very much a galvanizing effect for both players, management, and I think supporters as well, you know, to give that goodwill to the, the support, uh, to the players as well. So, again, going into the playoffs, you know, we were hoping for a bit of a lucky break in terms of a draw. And I suppose we did get it uh, in the form of Estonia. Yeah, I, I think, uh, well, to a certain extent, a lot of people say that we were lucky to get Estonia in the in the, in the the draw, but, you know, we have to remember that we put ourselves into the position where we were we were seeded. And, like, after the, the controversy in, in the with the seeding of the playoffs in the 2020 uh, World Cup qualifying uh, playoffs, you know, UEFA stated right from the outset that you know, the playoffs at the end of the qualifying uh, series would be seeded. Um, and it was our performances throughout the qualifiers that got us into that that uh, first pot. That so we were seeded along with Croatia, Portugal, and the Czech Republic. Um, so the second uh, pot, the unseeded teams, with Turkey, Bosnia Herzegovina again, Montenegro, and Estonia. Um, I remember thinking I definitely didn't want to draw Bosnia Herzegovina. 
And I think that Estonia were the, the weakest side and possibly had the the worst result um, across all the qualifiers when they they lost to the to the Faroes. Um, and those that was a team that we drew. I mean, Phil, what did you think? I mean, well, you know, maybe that draw, maybe drawing Estonia was lucky. But as I say, putting ourselves in the position where we could draw Estonia maybe spoke a lot about the the qualifiers. Yeah, I think we definitely we got them on merit, as you said, um, and it definitely based on the results against their big on the the bigger teams we played because we hadn't done poorly over two campaigns against the bigger teams. It was really Russia at home was really probably the worst result um, and the worst performance. So we definitely deserved to be in the first pot. And Estonia was a great draw because, as you said, we didn't really know any Estonian players even. I really didn't want Turkey. Uh, Bosnia were up and coming at the time. Um, What was the other team? Um... Montenegro. Montenegro, who we had seen in the last qualifying. Um, so I thought it was a great draw and, and a deserved draw. Yeah, and look, let's be honest about that first leg uh, in Tallinn. Uh, everything that can go wrong went wrong for Estonia. They had a player sent off after uh, half an hour. They were already 1-0 one, one down at that stage from a Keith Andrews goal. Uh, they had a second player sent off in the second half. Um, by which stage they were 2-0 down from a, a John Waters goal and Robbie Keane scored a late brace to wrap up uh, a 4-0 win so yeah we were never going to lose the, the the second leg in uh, Aviva Stadium Mark uh, and look so, you know, it's the oldest cliche in sports there are no easy games in international football but all we had to do was not lose by 4 goals at home when we were through to our, our first uh, international tournament in 10 years and you know the game finished one all um, but realistically it was over after the first leg Oh completely Joe um, you know it was a professional performance off Ireland in, in Tallinn um, yeah that home leg was very celebratory I thought even before kick off and just uh, the music beforehand the fan, like supporters had arrived into the stadium pretty early it was pretty much a very celebratory lap of honour even before the, the game had played but again, once Stephen Ward scored a goal, I think pretty early on, I mean, 5-0 aggregate, you know, if there was any kind of lingering, lingering doubts here, Estonia hadn't really shown a whole pile. And in fairness to them, they did get their equaliser to give some sort of credibility to the aggregate score. But look, we were never, never threatened by Estonia in those uh, two legs. And, you know, Poland, here we come. Yeah, and I think looking back, that was probably the high point of, of Trapattoni's reign, like the, the actual qualification itself. Um, you know, there may have been, uh, you know, uh, people may argue about it, it, the best performance uh, under his reign, but I think, you know, that's qualifying for, as I say, the first tournament in 10 years. That's got to be the high point. Um, so after the draw was made, we were facing Croatia, uh, Spain and Italy. Um, and that's a tough group. Um, Phil, did you think we were going to get anything out of it? <laughs> it wasn't tough at the time, if I can remember correctly. Yeah. Um, but yeah. just, just going back to that Estonia game, sorry, I, was that the game where everybody just threw the paper planes at like 60 minutes? It was, yeah. Yeah, yeah I remember the disinterest, not disinterest, but everyone was just like, come on, get over with it already. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that we were going to, 
we were going to beat Croatia and we were going to take a point off Italy. That's that's how that went, as far yeah, as I remember. And I was, was one of them. I was one of them. I was there too. I was thinking, you know, Croatia, they had to come through the playoffs as well. You know, maybe, you know, a, a draw or a win isn't out of the question. Spain were in their absolute pomp at the time. All right, look, if we lose, we lose, but we, we could scrape a draw. We've done it against the stronger teams. And then, you know, it'll all come down to that last game against Italy. But, but it didn't. In fairness, we had, sorry to cut you off. In fairness, that was probably a bit deluded at the time, but we had done so well in not getting beat by these teams in the last two qualifying campaigns. Yeah. But that's probably where that came from. You know, we hadn't been beaten by Italy. We did well against Russia not to be beaten away. Um, we were unlucky against France. So that's that's probably... And we played Croatia as well. Did we yeah. play Croatia? We did, yeah. And a friendly all, I, remember, yeah. I remember meeting the team in St. Stephen's Green Shopping Centre. <laughs> Walking around the Croatian team. But that's probably where that came from. How How strong we were against the bigger teams. And if we could nick something... We we might get through. That's, yeah. that's what I was thinking. Well, we had three friendlies before the tournament started. Uh, we drew at home with the Czech Republic. We beat Bosnia at home, which was a good result. And then we had a nil-nil uh, draw away against Hungary in just torrential conditions. Conditions so bad, actually, that the Hungarian FA decided that they weren't going to award caps to the team uh, for that uh, for that friendly. Um, but the FEI decided that you know, the, the, the caps that they had awarded would, would stand. Now, the build-up to the tournament was marred by, I think, two uh, two events. One was that James McCarthy pulled out of the, the squad and said that he wasn't going to go, that he wanted to stay and take care of his sick father. And nobody um, blamed, no one felt bad, no one... You know, accuse him of anything for that. You know, sometimes there are things that are bigger than football. But then Kevin Foley was initially named in the squad, um, probably just as the the backup uh, right full. But then Trapattoni changed his mind and replaced him with Paul McShane. And I still don't know how I felt about that. Like, his reasoning was that Paul McShane can cover two positions. He can cover both centre half and uh, right full. Uh, Kevin Foley is very much uh, a fullback, but he had been a loyal player. He had never turned down uh, a squad position. He'd always shown up. Possibly he deserved to go. He might never have played, but he possibly he did deserve to go to the tournament. Um, I think I said at the time that you know fans complained that Trapattoni doesn't make the hard decisions. Well, now he had made a hard decision, and people were complaining about him making a hard decision. Um, Mark, how did you feel about that? Oh, it was a complete ball break, um, uh, you know, because myself and you, Joe, we went with Diego, <laughs> yeah. our, our Argentinian uh, our friend, uh, to the tournament. And like we had an amazing time anyway. But yeah, that was just an absolute ball break of a decision uh, to do that. But in fairness, if you look at Trapattoni, 2002 World Cup, when he was Italian manager, he made the unpopular decision of not selecting Roberto Baggio, who had just returned for fitness. So this was a guy that was prepared to make the hard calls anyway and you know even the lead up to the tournament as well Joe you remember they were kind of based in Italy some resort and there was a report that came out that Trapattoni you know allegedly had started speaking to the locals in terms of how the team was all to do with him and not to do you know the team but there was kind of 
a media kind of were kind of circling in on that kind of uh, fact even before the tournament. And this Kevin Foley omission as well certainly did rise raise a few eyebrows. And I thought Kevin Foley was very unfortunate because such a talented footballer, you know, from fullback position. Uh, you know, you could see the rationale of McShane, but just given how late that decision was made, you know, it just kind of left a very much a sour taste in the mouth. Yeah, Phil, do you think that that might have affected squad morale at all? Oh, I think so, because Foley had done great to come back and he was fully convinced he was fully fit. So to not have the backing of the manager was it probably didn't look great and probably didn't go well amongst most of the senior players, you would imagine. Yeah, and of course, you know, McShane went on to not make an appearance across the three games. Um, so, like Mark said, uh, we were there. We were in Poznan uh, for, for two weeks, and uh, we went to the, the opening game against Croatia, full of, of hope and expectation, and Croatia went one and up after three minutes. And we're kind of thinking, all right, okay, look, we've been here before. You know, we know we, we, we can score. And we did. And Sean St. Ledger scored um, with an assist from Aidan McGeady, you know, about 15 minutes later. The celebrations for us were actually somewhat muted because the Croatian fans had the same uh, whistle as the referee. Oh, so yeah. when the goal went in, they blew the whistle. No one was sure if it was a goal or if it was you know, the referee blowing for an offside or an infringement, but the referee was signaling for a goal and then everyone celebrated. Um, Croatia would go on to score again before half time, uh, Nikita Jelovic, uh, before, you know, finishing it off early in the second half with a goal from Mandzukic, you know, so, you know, we were, we had lost the game that we, and, and were well beaten in the game that we thought that we were going to win. Um, and suddenly, the game against Spain gets a lot harder. You know, Mark, we have to talk about the Spain game. Um, oh, we absolutely do. Uh, it was an epic train ride, if I remember rightly. Uh, rickety on 1950s train from Poznan all the way to Kazansk. Uh, some vintage, you know, John Deere's en route. But that Spanish side was just, it was just a privilege to see them. And, you know, I always recant this story. Uh, we were in different parts of the ground, Joe, I think, in that game. Yeah. But um, the warm-up for me with Spain and Ireland, you couldn't have picked two contrasting warm-ups. Whereas the Republic of Ireland team had the cone set down, 100-meter sprints. The Spanish guys were literally doing kind of footballing triangles and diagonal passing and, you know, trying to break the offside trap, the timing of the pass. Everything was, the ball was doing the work, whereas Ireland was doing all the running, essentially. And it was just that it was just a magnificent occasion just to be there. I know we got absolutely tumped. Uh, the the mystery was that you know we weren't more down at half time. To be perfectly honest, I know Tori scored after four minutes, but the control of the Spanish team, you know, passing it from the back, Xavi, Iniesta, Silva, Fabregas, my God, it was just it was just wow. It was just a wow performance. And to be honest with you, you couldn't fault Republic of Ireland in terms of the work rate and effort because it was a stifling hot day in in Gdansk as well. But just Spain, they just made the ball do the work. It was beautiful to watch. Yeah. Um, you know, their their midfield, you know, passed around our midfield. And as you say, like the 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 result really was that it was only one nil down at half time. Um but even at one nil, you know, you kind of fall trick yourself into that uh, believing that you know maybe we can get a goal from a corner, and the the reality was that we were lucky if we would even get a corner. 
Um, uh, Spain scored three uh, in the second half. You know, David Silva early after the, the halftime break. And then uh, Torres with his second and Fabregas uh, ending it uh, with seven minutes to go after coming on for Torres. Um, but we, we, we weren't just outclassed. We were shown what football had moved on to. Like Spain, this Spanish side were playing a different a different game to Ireland. And I think whatever about the result, I think it was the performance here that really killed off the the relationship that Trapattoni had with the fans. Um you know it was just it was the same football that he he'd started playing uh you know two years earlier. You know, the four four two two defensive midfielders in front of the back four um, Robbie Keane is the focal point, and you know th- the game had moved on. Um, Spain, the Barcelona at the time were you know death by possession, uh, but they, it was just such a joy to watch. Um, I, Mark, I, I think it might have been you as well who pointed out to me that you know when the teams first came out onto the pitch it, before the warm-ups, you know the Ireland team came out and they're looking around and they're taking photos and it was, you know, you could kind of almost hear them say, oh my God, I can't believe I'm playing here. Whereas the Spanish team, and I know it was the second, their second game in the stadium, but they just came out, looked around, a few of them sat down in the dugout and then went back into the, the changing rooms. But, you know, these are players that were used to, you know, games at the top end of the Premier League, uh, used to playing in the latter stages of the Champions League, used to, you know, competing in the latter stages of international tournaments. This was just. This wasn't an occasion to them. This was just the next game. Whereas I think a lot of the the Ireland, the Ireland players, the occasion got to them. So, with the two opening losses out, you know, behind us and Ireland out of the tournament, we had hoped that something different might be served up for the final game against Italy, but Phil just reverted to type. You know, the only change that was made. Um, against Spain was that Simon Cox started up front uh, alongside Robbie Keane. And then uh, against Italy, you know, Kevin Doyle was restored to the starting 11. Go on to a tournament like that. I can only imagine what it felt like for the other players to actually, to not have been involved at all. Um, especially when you're gone after two games. And just going back to the Spain game quickly, like football had moved way, way on. And there is, when a team is way better than you, there's, play, there's ways to play that team by slowing the game down, getting in their face, leaving tackles in, and just that Spain team, Ireland couldn't even get near them. And I think at that stage, after the Spain game, I think a lot of Ireland fans realised you could take 10 players and replace 10 players in the Irish team, and it wouldn't really matter because Robbie Keane was the only player that Trapattoni thought mattered. Yeah, like It was 10 players and Robbie Keane. I know the two teams got to the final in that, but it was it was a shambles, and it was it was disheartening not to see him make more changes for the final game. It, it would what have was been he a, trying to prove? Yeah, it, it would have been nice to see maybe Stephen Kelly, you know, Paul McShane get you know being rewarded for going to the uh, for you know for replacing Kevin Foley, perhaps the change in goals. I know people talk about Shea Given not being fit, but I think, you know, the, the physios or the, the masseuses or whoever you have at the uh, in in the team would have been able to tell the manager if he's actually fit or not. Now, he might not have been match fit. He might not have been match sharp, but 
yeah, I, I definitely didn't think that Shea Given deserved to to play that that last game. You know, maybe it would have been nice to see uh, Kieran Westwood or, or or David Ford given a chance. That was the end of uh, Euro twenty twelve, and like I say, it, it kind of felt like the beginning of the the end of Trapattoni's reign, and it 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 might have been better with retrospect if he had stepped aside after that tournament. I mean, I know. Historically, Ireland managers have stayed on for one tournament too long. You know, Mick McCarthy should have stepped down after the World Cup in in Japan, South Korea. Jack Charlton possibly should have stepped down after the World Cup in in the USA. And I think Trapattoni really should have stepped aside after uh, Euro 2012. I'd like to thank Phil and Mark for joining me. And in our next episode, we'll be discussing the qualifying series for the World Cup in 2014. We hope you'll join us.